0: Around the world, Muslims are coming to Christ more than ever before. However, many Christians know very little about their Muslim neighbors, their attitudes, their beliefs, and their worldview, leading to unfortunate misconceptions and ineffective evangelism. In our interview today, I'm talking with Ayman Ibrahim, professor of Islamic studies and the director of the Jenkins Center for the Christian Understanding of Islam at the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. Ayman is also the author of a number of books on Islam, including Reaching Your Muslim Neighbor with the Gospel from Crossway. Let's get started. Well Ayman, thank you so much for joining me today on the Crossway Podcast.
1: Thank you very much for having me and it's a joy and honor to speak with you and with your audience.
0: Oh, Likewise, thank you so much. Uh, so Ayman, you were born in Egypt. And you also have two PhDs in Islamic studies. And you now teach at Southern Baptist Theological Seminary in Kentucky. So it's not the most typical story probably for the professor at Southern Seminary. So I wonder if you could just tell us a little bit to get us started about your story.
1: Uh, I was blessed to be born in Egypt. I love Egypt. Egypt is a wonderful country and I grew up there as all Egyptians grew up around me but mostly they were Muslim Uh, they are followers of Islam I still have many of my friends in Egypt some of them are Muslim Uh, some of them abandoned Islam and became Christian and some of them are just secular Muslims but I was uh, so privileged to encounter Islam in that context, being in a Muslim-majority country, seeing firsthand what Muslims say, what Muslims do, what Muslims believe about their faith and how they promote it and how they live it Hmm. so that's where I grew up my context and then I worked as an engineer several years in Egypt but my love for preaching surpassed my love for uh, working as an engineer and
0: what kind of engineering were you doing?
1: electrical uh, electronics and telecommunication Wow but I had eight to five job as an engineer and then after five my life begins By this, I go to church, preach in different churches, and have Bible studies, have prayer meetings. So as Christians in Egypt, evangelical Christians, it was just our life to be involved in the church. After several years of doing this engineering in the morning and at night, I go to church and do evangelism in events and stuff like that. I realized my need for the theological education. At that time, I sensed God's leading me to begin a theological degree. Where is the university? America. (laughs) (laughs) And I applied at several institutions, and I got accepted in one in particular that was able to help me financially. And I came, I did my MDiv. As I was doing my MDiv, I began to get invitations to do a PhD in Islam to be able to help uh, English-speaking Americans understand about Islam and Muslims. And that's how I began my first PhD and Mm. so forth. Yeah. Yeah. yeah,
0: Wow. How did your parents become Christians?
1: I was born in a Christian, in a nominal Christian family. So my father used to go to church to the Coptic Orthodox Church every Sunday just to say our father
0: and come back home. It's so interesting to, to think of nominal Christians though in a Muslim majority nation so why would why do you think he and your mother would continue to embrace the term Christian in that context?
1: Christianity exists in several of the Arab world countries and Christians are there even in the the blocked countries uh, where there is a claim that no Christians mm. exist like Morocco for example they would m- most people would tell you that we don't have Christians mm. we have only Jews and Muslims that's not actually true there is Christians not only westerners who are coming to Morocco but also you have converts to Christ yeah but these are not public numbers or public records now in egypt we have the coptic church by the way the word coptic is speaks about ethnicity Mm. so i am a coptic because i was born in egypt and i am a christian we have Coptic Orthodox, Coptic Catholics, and Coptic Evangelicals mm. because Coptic is an ethnicity yeah. rather than what many people think uh, like as
0: like a religious the group. dominational. No, yeah.
1: it is not. So, uh, my parents w- just went to church and practiced what they believed it's a Christianity. They didn't really think that my w- that's what some call simple believers. Mm. Now, when I was nine and a half. By God's grace, I went to an evangelical church. I heard Jesus loves you, and he wants you to follow him, and so forth, the gospel. Mm. And I accepted Christ, and I began to follow him in a serious way. At that time, I reflected Christ. I spoke about Christ with my family, and one after another came to the Lord in that kind of uh, encounter. So. Yeah, uh, that's
0: uh, my story growing mm. up, yeah. And so what was it like to grow up surrounded? I, most of us here in America, we are we are used to the inverse, where there's a lot of nominal Christians or a lot of Christianity around us that's the norm. And increasingly, we might have Muslim neighbors who are in the minority still. What was it like for you growing up in a context where Islam was the dominant religion all around you?
1: I encountered the Muslims all the time. Some of them were really good friends Mm. some were harsh and harassed me and my sisters as christians it's normal but you cannot avoid being surrounded with muslims it's just the fact of me growing up in egypt and i would say that for the most part i had lots of ideas about islam and about Muslims that were shaped by my context. Some of them were really not good. Like, I I felt that uh, Muslims are, especially in the media, are not kind to Christians. Mm. That's the fact. But I also had great experiences with my Muslim neighbors in terms of talking about religion. Mm. So they don't want to be Christian, but we talked about religion and they Mm. were not harsh against me. So I would say that there is a variety of encounters that shaped my ideas about who these Muslims really are. Mm. Until I began to travel in my early 20s to other parts of the muslim countries and i encountered different muslims so apparently and that's what i discovered muslims are shaped by their own context and they are different from a country to another actually i discovered that we should talk about islams
0: hmm. not an islam interesting
1: because and that's actually a part of what i wrote in my book that islam is practiced differently and islam is interpreted differently
0: yeah does it seem parallel to the way there's a variety of denominational and theological traditions within christianity
1: true but not only that well yes we have denominations and islam has some sort of denominations yes but the fact is the majority of our muslim friends or our muslim neighbors the majority by far don't really know a lot about their faith Mm. they just hear something in the mosque and they just are satisfied with what they hear they don't question their faith they don't question anything about the teachings they just live islam as they are taught Mm -hmm. and this is a major point that we need to emphasize because don't think of Muslims as the truly well-solid, educated people in Islam. Actually, they are not. Most of them, at least. Like, I only began encounter educated Muslims when I was in my years of university. Hmm. And when I came to the uh, academic arena for my Ph.D., these are the educated muslims in their religion yeah many muslims will be educated in other fields but not islam yeah. islam for them is yeah i should be just nice yeah that's it yeah it's that islam oh yeah that's my islam huh. okay
0: yeah and i want to get into more of those perhaps misconceptions that sometimes we as christians can have american christians in particular about uh, muslims uh, but before we get into that i guess i want to take a step back And ask a broader question. And it's kind of illustrated even by you. Um, So you serve as director of the Jenkins Center for the Christian Understanding of Islam at the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. And you've written a number of books. Yours is your first book with Crossway, but you've written other books on different facets of Islam, including the Quran, the prophet Muhammad, and even Arabic as a language. And so I wonder if you could speak to the American Christian listening right now and explain why is it important for us as American Christians to understand Islam? Why, why should we make that an emphasis in some way in our lives, in our churches, uh, in our work?
1: Well, you cannot avoid the fact that Islam is around you everywhere you go. Muslims are around us everywhere we go. If you compare statistics from the past century and this century in terms of the number of muslims around you many m- immigrants are here who claim to be muslim whether actually they are practicing or not mm. but the fact is muslims are around us now i i don't believe that islam as a faith is the fastest growing religion mm. as you might hear elsewhere i think this concept or this idea needs some more nuance to it.
0: So you wrote an article for World Magazine recently where you talked about that. And I I think the statistic that was put out by Pew was that by 2050, Muslims, this, there would be the same number of Muslims as there are Christians in the world. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, you, you had a little bit of a, uh, you thought that was misleading, perhaps.
1: Actually, I wrote this first in, for, in the book with Crossway. This is actually in the book first, before it went out on <laughs> Word magazine. But the fact is, yes, when we say that Islam is the fastest growing religion, I ask you, what do you actually mean? Do you mean the message is convincing to more people every day? It's growing and embracing, yeah. like through in conversions. No, actually, yeah. this hmm. is actually it's not supported by the data we possess. Not that it's good or bad. I I just want to add nuance on the fact that people say Islam is the fastest-growing religion. This is actually not supported because. We understand that the growing number is basically birth rate, mm. and actually, a is, higher
0: birth rate among Muslims, generally. yeah. But
1: actually, this is not actually now the case. The Muslim family, now due to some economic reasons and some other factors, are having the same number of children as the average Western in general. It was in the past, which made the fact that the Muslim family have. Muslim families have more children. Yeah. But that's not actually the case now. Mm. For various reasons. I can talk about this later, but this is why I'm saying are you talking about Muslims having more babies or you're talking about a convincing message because it the statement Islam is the fastest growing religion usually comes in the context of oh it seems convincing it seems more people are embracing Islam actually no by secular estimations and research outlets it seems that Muslims are as never before abandoning the faith Mm. not to Christianity to embrace Christianity per se but actually Muslims now have access to a wealth of information that they didn't have before so under their fingertips they can look up muslim theological arguments and now the internet opens the doors for everyone to question everything yeah so the belief system of islam is being questioned as never before and actually many muslims are thinking about their religion critically Mm. which was not the case yeah in previous generations when we relied only on the mosques preaching
0: yeah now they ask Are there statistics that speak to conversions from Islam to Christianity versus from Christianity to Islam?
1: We don't have this yet. We have statistics that are clear and are done by secular universities and secular like Pew Research and all this that say that Muslims do not identify as Muslim anymore in many locations. For example, you think of a country like Iran, this is a country that is that claims to be 95% Muslim. Right. Like hard Muslims, like really Muslim. Yeah. Now, 2 years ago, over 60% I can't remember the number of Muslims in Iran are not anymore identifying as Muslim. This is huge. Wow. This is huge. Get the fact um, in America. Think about America. You hear that Islam is the fastest growing religion? Okay, go to the second level of this question. The net outcome of Muslims abandoning Islam in America and Muslims embracing Islam in America is zero. Mm. So uh, what do we talk about here? Yeah. The growing thing or the fastest growing thing need new ones. And yeah. that's what I was arguing, you know.
0: Yeah. So what are some of the other most common misconceptions about Islam that you encounter, maybe even particularly in your classes that you teach at the seminary among seminary students?
1: I think I have some of the best students. I have to admit that. So <laughs> I usually don't get a lot of misconception because many of my students really love their Muslim neighbors and talk about them in the best way possible and want to really reach them with the gospel. But the point is, overall, we can all agree that Islam is has been an unknown religion for so long. Hmm.
0: And that creates. What do you mean by unknown? Because I think like, someone might say Islam's in the news yeah. all the time.
1: But that's you're talking about since 9 11. But before that, who would care to talk about Muslims or Islam or. You're talking about atheists or whatever. But now Islam is on the forefront of public discourse, and we hear a lot of like news that al Qaeda, Taliban, all this brings Islam up up front. yeah. So the average person on the street in America would tend to think that Muslims are here to harm me. Mm. I actually don't think so. So why are Muslims here near me in America? Yeah. I think they are just, they like the life in America more than their own country. Truly, honestly, they are just normal people, Muslim, happen to be Muslim. And they want to, like they love Starbucks. <laughs> I always say that. They love drinking coffee. They love to be in a country where... There is no one on their shoulder all the time telling them what to do and what not to do, which is the fact in Muslim-majority countries. Let's be honest. Like someone from Syria or Iraq coming to America. Why? I think it is a better Mm. quality of life for them. Yeah. Probably they had traumatic situations that led them out of their homes so we need to just think about those as our Muslim's neighbor. Well, I always say that we cannot think of all Muslims are the same. I think the majority of Muslims around us as are cultural Muslims. So why are they Muslims? They are born in a Muslim yeah. family. Yeah. And then there is a, a minority that are really theologically educated in Islam. This is minority. They don't want to harm anyone. And yeah. actually, they understand Islam based on the context they are in. And then there is a very tiny minority who are re- uh, radical and extremist. Mm. We cannot deny that. Yeah. But the problem is you cannot really take this tiniest minority yeah. and say all Muslims are And radical.
0: yet they kind of, in terms of the news that we're exposed to, True. they tend to dominate True. the news. True. Yeah. Any other common misconceptions, even theological misconceptions that you've encountered among Christians?
1: Not that much, but because again, it comes back to Islam is unknown, but so there, there
0: aren't even misconceptions just because we don't even know we anything don't about, read them.
1: about yeah. Islam and Muslims that much. Mm. We tend to think that they are just they just hate Christianity and I would say they disagree with Christian claims and that's true. I would say they are not really like christians in the west don't really have a clear understanding about what does islam really teach yeah they don't and i touch uh, in part uh, on this topic in my book but other than this i would say misconception uh, necessitates that you already know something but Islam is pretty much unknown. Mm. And that's why uh, many Christians just have an eye. Oh, they are just fanatics or they are just uh, hate us. or So just general ideas without yeah. specifics. Yeah, you know?
0: right. And let's flip that question around then. What are some of the maybe more common misconceptions that the average Muslim in America might have about Christianity as a religion?
1: Most Muslims tend to think that Christians worship Theologically, first, yeah. that Christians worship three gods, that the Bible is corrupt. How did they reach these ideas? These ideas, probably in the mosque.
0: They've these, been taught that? Yeah. Because how would Islam, as a theological system, how does it view Christianity? Christianity is a distortion of the truth? It's good
1: to ask this, but I don't think Islam sees anything. It's how Muslims interpret Mm. it. And for the most part, Muslims tend to think of Christianity as an eclipsed religion. It's surpassed by the beauty of Islam. It's surpassed by the better claims of Islam. So that's the general idea. Yeah. Islam surpassed everything that came before Judaism it. and Christianity. And Christi- Muhammad is the best of humankind. That's a general claim, okay? Now, Muslims tend to think this way without questioning any of these beliefs. So, some of the major misconceptions that come from uh, the Muslim side of thing is, is Christians corrupted their Bible. So whenever you bring a Bible into a conversation with them, oh, no, I don't read that. It's they just corrupt. dismiss it. Yeah, so I said, why are you dismissing this? Although your Quran actually values my Bible. Hmm. So, it's, some so it's, it's a misconception, and we need to overcome this misconception. Yeah. Another one that is really weak is that Muslims, for the most part, believe that Christians worship three gods.
0: Yeah, I mean, how do you and indre- I think probably most people listening right now w- we believe in this doctrine of the Trinity. It's a central pillar of Christianity and yet it can feel even for the best of us hard to fathom, certainly hard to explain. So how would you go about explaining the doctrine of the Trinity to a Muslim?
1: It's a big topic and I discussed uh, discuss it in detail in the book, but I need to first say that most Muslims have a wrong idea about the trinity Mm. so they most Muslims don't think of father uh, father son and Holy Spirit they usually think of father Mary and And the son
0: so they don't even have the right persons in place
1: it's a misconception based on some ideas that are offered in the Quran Mm. the scripture of Islam so I say what do these Muslims you're talking with talk about If they are having the bad or the wrong idea about the Trinity, I just fix it. (laughs) And then most of them will just, oh, yeah, sure, let's go on.
0: Okay, so they're ready to go on to the next conversation. Yeah. Yeah,
1: but even if they have a problem thinking about the plurality within the unity of God, they have to answer to many things in their religion including how the quran according to their views is eternal with god Mm. how would you reconcile this like we have two eternal beings what do you how would you solve this yeah and muslims oh i never thought of that so that can be a direction another direction is the logical argument of the trinity which i detail uh, in the book so there is a lot of things that you can talk about in terms of presenting the triune god because i think having a strict monotheistic belief in god is really not helpful it doesn't solve many problems in islam but having a plurality within the unity of God actually makes a lot of sense. Mm. And this is something that Christians should be adamant and really strong about. It's the beauty of the Trinity.
0: Mm. So it's not you're arguing that the Trinity as a doctrine is actually a helpful thing in witnessing to Muslims. Oh,
1: my goodness. It's a beauty. Mm. It's a beautiful thing that the triune God is a wonderful thing to embrace, not to avoid talking Mm.
0: about. You've mentioned beauty a couple times when it comes to theology, that Islam would, generally speaking, kind of view itself as this more beautiful culmination or surpassing of Christianity. Is beauty an important concept in Islam?
1: I don't think so, but uh, beauty is a good thing (laughs) in general. (laughs) I think it's just my appreciation of how christian theology makes sense mm. think about the Cappadocians, and how they marveled at the triune god mm. gregory of nesians how he worshiped god in that I, in in trinity
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, muslims are uh, don't have this mm. And at the same time, it's difficult to make a case for the strict oneness of God apart from the plurality of God. And I mentioned this earlier about how m- the vast majority of Muslims insist that the Quran is eternal. It's uncreated. So it's God.
0: Yeah, right. How can
1: you handle so this? There, yeah. yeah, so it doesn't work To have that strict monotheism, it requires plurality within the unity of God.
0: Yeah. Mm. So uh, you've been fairly critical of the insider movement in relation to Christian evangelization among Muslims. So I wonder if you briefly describe what that insider movement entails. What is that? And why would you have concerns about that when it comes to sharing the gospel with Muslims?
1: Man, this is a very good question and it, it needs a session on its own. However, <laughs> I think I I think the insider movement discussion for the most part it's like we wrote books like on that and we discuss articles on what that. What
0: was the heyday of the discussion about this?
1: It's whether we should encourage Muslims to remain in their religious and cultural social context after they accept Christ.
0: Hmm. And what was the argument behind why? Some people were saying that was a good thing. We should yes. encourage them to stay in yeah, that. yeah. Why would they have said that?
1: I don't want to encourage Muslims to remain or not to remain. In fact, I would love for Muslims who accept Christ to remain in their context. My issue is regarding their adoption of their religious system or their religious features of islam so many muslims that i know of encountered the christ so they wanted to have nothing with islam anymore Mm. they wanted to depart from that religious system completely now some western missiologists would come here and say oh no you don't need to Abandon Islam Mm. in that way. Do it in your heart. You can actually still go to the mosque and practice what you've been doing. Just in your heart, you're worshiping the true God. I'm like, why are you doing that? The guy wanted to abandon everything he adopted in his previous former religion. And then they say, these missiologists would say, I don't have a problem with you reading the Quran." because the quran has truth in it and can actually lead you somewhat to truth i'm like hmm. why you're doing that
0: so what would their answer be to that why why would they say i don't that know
1: i do know that they have some some answers and probably they have good intentions but i don't as an egyptian christian i don't think this is helpful hmm because from what i saw the, there is even in the bible a clear cut between you and your formal former religious belief system once you come to christ now there is a lot of details to the arguments from the insider movement proponents and a lot of arguments against that i don't really see the insider movement proponents as good or bad. I am not saying, uh, actually, I think they have, they probably have good intentions, but I don't think their arguments are helpful. Mm. And just to end with with this note, everywhere I go in the heartland of Islam, when I encounter local believers, they don't want to buy into this,
0: Mm.
1: like ideas, into these ideas. So that's Yeah. yeah.
0: That's so interesting. Maybe as a last question, as you consider the spread of both Christianity and Islam around the world, what gives you hope? We
1: we really need to emphasize the gospel of hope. If Muslims around me, just regular people, need one thing today, I probably will say they need the gospel of hope. The gospel can be identified as the gospel of freedom and the gospel of of many other things, mm. okay? But the gospel of hope, because in my understanding of Islam and Christianity, and even Judaism, there is something so unique about Christ, and that's the hope. Even we call the good, the Holy Spirit the spirit of hope. Mm. And in my estimation, the gospel is the gospel of hope in that sense, because Muslims as people need this hope they need the hope of eternal life they need the hope of redemption they need the hope of the forgiveness of sin oh my goodness it's so burdensome
0: mm. how would, does islam deal with the problem of sin and guilt no no dealing no dealing with it
1: you wait until allah forgive or not forgive mm. you don't have it eternal security at all, you can't. It's not talked about, it's not offered, you don't have mm. any kind of eternal hope. What you do as a Muslim is that you do practice things, you live out your Islam in duties, prayer duty, almsgiving duty, pilgrimage duty in Mecca, and so forth. Okay, mm. and then Allah will decide. Mm. You don't have any guarantee and you can do every good thing in your life and then but Allah doesn't really uh, admit you to paradise
0: mm. it's kind of just his own arbitrary decision absolutely
1: and god leads people astray and or lead them to paradise but actually it's so so interesting that uh, Allah leads people astray in in one of the most repeated passages in the Quran so the point is gospel of hope mm give hope through the gospel to your muslim neighbors because everyone needs hope but muslims around us cannot find this hope in their texts but we have a central message of hope
0: i well, thank you so much for sharing a little bit with us from your own experience and study we really appreciate it
1: thank you very much for the opportunity god
0: bless you and your audience That was Amen Ibrahim on sharing the gospel with Muslims in your community. For more, be sure to check out his book with Crossway, Reaching Your Muslim Neighbor with the Gospel. Pick up your copy of the print edition for 30% off or get the ebook for 50% off directly from Crossway by visiting crossway.org/plus. That's crossway.org/plus. For more interviews like this, subscribe to the Crossway podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast player. If you enjoyed this episode, consider leaving us a review. That really helps us spread the word about the show. Crossway is a not-for-profit Christian ministry that exists solely for the purpose of proclaiming the truth of God's word through publishing gospel-centered content. Visit us today at crossway.org.